2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you will be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. I've attended many events where a person is honored for some event or accomplishment, and it's interesting to me when people stand up and say something nice about the person. Oftentimes that honored person will become a little emotional because they realize they had a positive effect on someone else. And what is sometimes amazing is how the little things we can do have such a positive effect on those around us without even us realizing it. And as Paul addresses the church at Corinth with these words about their influence among the people, so too we should realize we have influence upon those around us. I had a job where I gave my month's notice that I was going to leave and I left on a good note. When word got out to people who I thought didn't even like me, they began saying things like, I'm going to miss you, man, or good to have met you, and those types of things, and things I didn't expect. But it was good to know that I had brought into the organization something positive, because I really didn't feel like it, but they confirmed that I did. And during this time, a few guys came up to me at the same time, and we're all talking, and they were saying similar things. But one of them said something that I'll never forget, and he was one of the guys that I connected with, and I liked him. And he said, you know what I like about you? And my first thought was nothing. He said, every day when you come into the shop, you walk in whistling and in a good mood. And that was something I didn't even realize I did. But when I thought about it, I realized, yeah, I did whistle when I came in. I don't know why, but I did. And I was not in a good mood every day. Rather, I think I whistled to conceal my misery. But it left a positive impression on him. And that conversation back in 96 stuck with me and made me realize that we can have a positive influence on those around us even when we don't realize it. And I've also learned that we can have an equally negative effect on people as well. I had a conversation with an office manager late in my career, and she was talking about a former supervisor who whistled constantly. And she said she absolutely hated hearing people whistle. And I didn't whistle around here, and I'm glad because that could have gone south for me. But how we behave affects others. And when we are behaving in a way that honors God, people are going to have a reaction either positive or negative. The trick is to try to avoid the negative and stay rooted in the positive so we can be that light that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. But light is not comforting to everybody. It's very annoying to those who are bent on evil, and they will sometimes make it known to you. So being wise and using discretion in our lives becomes critical to our witness. Proverbs 2.11 Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from the perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So understanding the wicked mind, which I was once proud to have, it helps navigate through the icy waters of personal relationships with those we are forced to be around, and maintaining our witness by carefully and prayerfully interacting with them can shed that light in their lives and bring them to the place where we can have a positive influence on them and maintain our good name, which is far greater than the things others seek. In Proverbs 22, 1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes 7, 1, A good name is better than precious ointment, 
and the day of death than the day of birth. Our journey through this life will at some point end, and that day when we say goodbye to this life will be much better than our best day during it. This is the hope we have in our salvation in Jesus. So we strive every day to continue battling the darkness and being that influence in this world that shows the love of God and not merely professing it. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So what kind of things can we do to show that light, but not in an obnoxious way? Well, Jesus gives a pretty interesting list in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. Now, I am still amazed when I read things like this, because it's so backwards in the world's eyes. And when my eyes are influenced by the world, these things again become backwards to me. But practically speaking, I have found, for example, when people are backstabbing me and I find out about it, my first reaction is revenge. I want them to pay for their nonsense. But in the spirit, I begin to feel sorry for them because as the psalmist says in Psalm 73, 16, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. When you look at those who backstab people all the time, look carefully at their lives, their relationships, how people treat them. They have no real friends typically because no one can trust them. They may have a circle of their quote-unquote friends, but their friends are often knifing them as well, and their souls are filled with poison, and their end is not good. So loving them really becomes like a rescue mission. You know that they're going to say things behind your back, and confronting them may be the best course of action, but when we treat them with the love of God, we are doing two things. First, we're pleasing God, and when we please Him, we enter into His peace, and regarding our end, we know it's going to be sweet. The second thing is we are likely going to make them feel guilty even if they don't show it because the Lord will work on them and in some cases get their attention in a pretty amazing way. I had this experience where I found out things were being done behind my back by somebody and two people came to mind. I didn't know which one. They were both senior to me and I was new, so going off on them wasn't advisable. So knowing the command of Jesus, I began to pray for them, that God would open their eyes and show them who is really in control and God hit a home run. One of the guys had a terrible couple of days after that. So when we hear things like God fights our battles and we don't believe it, we need to believe it because he does if we leave room for him to work. So regarding getting struck on the cheek, I've always had a problem with this command, but in an earlier episode, I told a story of a mission outreach I was on when a crazy lady from the country's officially sanctioned church tried to ruin our presentation, and when a young lady acting as our interpreter tried to explain what we were doing, the crazy lady slapped her hard across the face. Everyone then joined hands and began to pray, and the lady went psycho and then stormed off while we were all gathered around the young lady whose face was now swelling up. God won the victory for us, but my first reaction was to tackle the crazy lady, but I recall someone yelling, start praying! These were seasoned people who knew how to fight the battle a lot better than I did. So we did, and we saw the hand of God moving against that evil that the lady had brought upon us. Continuing in Luke 6, verse 35, But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, 
for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So our example is Jesus, who not only showed his disciples how to live in this radical manner, he also commands all of his followers to do the same. Now, that doesn't mean we simply walk around as a punching bag. There are times when we fight, but how we fight is the key. Fighting in the Spirit, like those who knew to pray against the evil of that psycho lady. Or they may be led to fight in a more physical manner. And Jesus did advise the apostles to arm themselves in Luke twenty-two thirty-six. He said to them, But now let one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. But carrying a sword versus trusting in a sword are two completely different things. Psalm 44, 6, For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. Trusting in Jesus and not our sword is where the victory is found. When we trust in our sword, or stretching the concept a bit, our own strength and ability, we forfeit the opportunity for God's hand to move. And even if we achieve a temporary victory, we lost the opportunity to experience God's true victory. Jesus wrote letters to seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. In each introduction to the seven churches, Jesus says, I know. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know where you dwell. He knows what's going on in each of these churches as he knows what's going on in each of our hearts and minds. So knowing our thoughts, words, and deeds are in full view of the Lord, how shall we live our lives? 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Everything we do will be evaluated in the presence of God. So being that influence in this life is more than simply being nice. It's being faithful to the Lord, and in that day, we will see the effect we had on those around us, and hopefully see many in eternity with us as the Lord used us in their lives to bring them into the family of God. Thank you.